Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. When I gave my life to Jesus, the marvelous thing is he wrote his name on me. The Holy God placed his name on me. So by virtue of the fact that he put his name on me, my mess becomes his problem. And he's not going to lead me out because I'm wonderful, but because he's wonderful, because he's faithful, because he's holy, because he's trustworthy. And I had to learn early in my walk with God, stop focusing on what I can do in my name, focus on his name. And it's amazing when I've gotten to, to ruts and messes, when I trusted in his goodness and his power, how he's always brought me out. And he'll do the same for you. Yay. Even though I walk through, not wallowing in, people read this passage wrong. I know people that have been in the valley for 40 years. But the Bible says, even though I walk through the valley, never build a house where God only wants you to pitch a tent. Okay, that was a warm patty cake. Don't give up in your valley. Just keep walking and walking and walking and walking. Though I walk through the valley, the answer to the valley is just keep moving. Just keep going in the direction God's called you to. I can't erase the valley. I can't remove the valley. The valley is part of the path the shepherd has guided you into. And as the sheep, your only job is to keep moving. Keep doing what God's told you to do and move in the direction he's told you to move. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. Valleys are known to have caves. They're full of all types of shadows, crevices, and, and turns in their walls. These are all places that danger can very easily hide. This is something that sheep come to understand. Security doesn't come just from the environment. It comes from the shepherd. Though the threat in your life may be real, the thing you need to know is God is committed to get you to the other side. It's though I walk through, I'm getting to the other side. I'm not stopping in the middle. I'm not giving up in the middle. I'm not panicking in the middle. I'm going through till I get to the open place that exists on the other side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This gets us upset. This frustrates us. But it's not God's plan right now to remove the presence and the existence of evil. It's just his will to remove the supremacy of evil while we're in this world. You see, when, when you really reflect on the bigness of God, even in the midst of the worst situation, the devil shrinks in comparison. You know, really, worship can be described as magnifying God. Now, you know that God can never get any larger than he is. He is God. But the issue is he shrinks in our mind. And what happens is when, when we're in the valley, we're looking at the shadows. Is there a cave there? And somehow the walls in the valley get so big, 
And then God shrinks so small. The secret to walking through the valley is keeping God big in your heart. So while you walk, you're singing that song. While you walk, you, you just keep moving. Your focus is on him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'm getting through. I'm going over to the other side. I'm going to make it to where God wants to lead me. You have to magnify God in order to get to the other side of the valley. For you are with me. When I was a kid, I used to hang out with a guy named Kenny. He was bigger than me, older than me, crazier than me, stronger than me. And in fact, you know, the fact he had my back allowed this little 14-year-old to go places, a little 14-year-old had no business going. But because Kenny was with me, I had a certain swag, <laughs> a certain confidence. It's amazing, though, I, I, I saw Kenny again, and, and he who looked so big, I was now looking down on but, but, but it's amazing, you know, where you are in your life, some things seem so big, and at another point, they seem a lot smaller. But when I saw him, it dawned on me. I met him actually in an airport. Today, I walk with someone so much bigger than Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's true, it ought to impact how I enter a room, how I leave a room, everything I do in the room when I realize the bigness of the God that's with me. He says, your rod, this is going to trouble some of you, but the rod was a, a club stored in the shepherd's belt. You see, the problem is many of the, the Jesus that, that you guys were, it's not you, the person next to you, you worship a cupcake Jesus, but the Jesus in the Bible was always locked and loaded. The shepherd had a club. If you know anything about shepherds, actually, you could, you could YouTube this. They, they would take this cup. They would throw it, and boom, it hit you right. These guys were good with clubs. They would practice with these clubs for years. They became experts. I mean, they could knock a fly off your head from 20 feet. This, this is how good these guys were with these clubs. And these clubs were not used to pet. They were, they, they were used to, to, to protect and uh, against the, the, the enemy. And secondly, it says, and your what? Staff. The staff was a walking implement, but it also doubled as a weapon. Jesus has the power needed to deal with any enemy. In fact, when David was tending his sheep, the Bible talked about a lion attack, and he defeated him, so the bear. He had the tools and the weapons to protect his sheep. And our God has everything we need to keep us safe in this life on this journey, and if you know it, there should be a confidence that develops and grows in your life. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, a lot of people, when they read this, they, they think he's talking about heaven. But how many know there are no enemies in heaven? Yeah, that's why it's heaven. What he's saying is God has prepared a table in the right here and the right now. Jesus said to his disciples, I have food you know not of. And in the midst of the worst situation, you could be meditating in your heart and, and feasting on, on the joy of the Lord that you know is on the other side and the fact that God's got you, and he'll give you a meal right in the midst of the fiercest and darkest circumstances. He said, you anoint my head with oil. 
And because we're not from the Middle East, some of this escapes us. But special guests were often given oil. You know, they'd be out in the sun and it would dry them up and, and they'd walk long distances. And, and also, you know, the, it, was, it was a fragrance as well that they put in the oil and it was to preserve them. And, and God wants to, to treat you like you're his special guest, keep you looking good and, and smelling. He wants each of us to understand that we matter. But, but here's what I want to get to. In this verse, there's actually a double reference going on because David is a shepherd. And when he says, you anoint my head with, with oil, everyone reading that verse understood that uh, uh, summer was called fly time. And in the summer, you know, uh, off the Mediterranean, you'd have blowflies, bot flies, wobble flies, sand flies, black flies, heel flies, and gadflies, and all these flies would just swarm, particularly upon the livestock. And the only way you could really help sheep through this period was by anointing their heads. Scripture says, you anoint my head with what? Oil. And what these Near East shepherds would do is they would mix equal parts oil, uh, uh, tar, and sulfur, and they'd mix it and they'd rub it all over the sheep's head. And it kind of acted as a, a bug repellent. It, it kept the flies from laying eggs on, uh, in, in their ears and, and, and their nose. See, if neglected, if the sheep were not anointed, this is important, because there are a lot of people going to religious churches. But if the shepherd does not anoint the sheep, if they're just having church, but there's no anointing, you're going to find the symptoms that occurred when a shepherd did not anoint the sheep. See, what would happen is the flies would lay eggs in the nostrils and the ears of the sheep. And the maggots would begin to crawl to the softer part. And on the inside of their head, they would feel these crawling things. So the sheep would start hitting their heads against rocks, hitting their heads against trees. And there are many people in churches hitting their heads against rocks and trees because there's something going on in their head that they settled for religion instead of the anointing. And these things are growing. They got the bumper sticker and the T-shirt, but all this stuff is growing on the inside because it's not an anointed word to set them free. And they just began to self-destruct. And imagine a whole herd of sheep just hitting themselves. And this was all because of Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. And what the devil wants to do is keep you in church, but keep you away from the anointing. Make you settle for church, but wouldn't recognize the anointing if it came in in a purple suit with a red hat. But my shepherd 
anoints me. He pours stuff in my ears. To wash out any foul, any, anything that's eaten me. You anoint my head with oil. You see, the shepherd wants to remove everything that has you banging your head against the wall. Now you know where that saying comes from. Things that have been eating your mind for years. Just stay here long enough, and that anointing will touch it and remove it. He said, my cup runs over or overflows. You see, to get to verse 5, you have to go through verse 4. You see, in verse 4, you went through the valley. But you went through the valley to get to verse 5 where there's overflow. The only reason you're in the valley right now is because God plans to bring you into overflow. Don't give up in verse 4. Verse 5 is on the way. But you got to keep on walking and walking and walking. You got to walk through, press on through the valley to get to the open space, the place of abundance and overflow. But many of y'all have quit at verse 4. You were surprised by the valley. Oh, God, if you love me, this should not be. But you got to walk through four to get to five. Surely, if this was written in the New Testament, it would say, amen, amen, or verily, verily. Surely is a way to be emphatic, a way of emphasis, a way to put an exclamation point on what follows. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Have you ever at night left someplace, it was dark, and you were trying to find your car and, you know, your keys and and all the rest, and you kind of had this unsettling feeling that something was or someone was following you? Everyone had that experience. Or maybe you're, you're, you're walking in a neighborhood, you don't know it's real dark, or maybe you even know the neighborhood, but footsteps are getting a little too close. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, hey, 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 what's going on? But imagine if you look back, and when you turn around, you realize it was goodness and mercy following you. You'd wake up every morning talking about some good is going to happen to me. You wake up every morning, God's going to show a new grace and a new mercy. If you realize that goodness and mercy are in high pursuit, goodness and mercy got a hit out on you. You know, they pay money, you know, you know, $500, you know, to take a person out. God, God has put, God has looked at the angel and said, I'm, I'm going to put a charge Put a hit on that, Derek. Put a hit on that, that Miriam. And I want you to hit him with goodness and mercy. And don't come back here. 
The angel won't get paid. God has put a hit. And they are watching you all day, every day, looking for the opportunity to just get in there and do what they do, goodness and mercy. Imagine what you would feel like, how you would think if, goodness, if you really believe goodness and mercy was walking with you to the job. Goodness and mercy was living, you know, I don't know if you're living in your house, but, but the point is was, was following you around. Now, well, live in my house. Please live in my house and come think of it. In fact, we need to put a guest room up for, for goodness and mercy so, so they don't have long to go or far to go to, 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 to reach us every, every, every morning. Don't get me way off the text here. But surely, see, when the Lord is your shepherd, even if you're in the valley, all things work together for the good. Surely, goodness. You ever live with just this brooding feeling something bad is going to happen? Something wrong is going to happen? Just a dark cloud? That's the devil. But if the Lord is your shepherd, goodness and mercy, God's favor and all the attending effects shall follow me only when I'm on high ground, only when things are going well, all the days, yeah, of my life. This is an aside, but I'm going to say it. Who you select as your pastor is one of the most important decisions you will make in your life. There are a lot of folks that shop churches based on the music, based on the hoop, based on whether it has pews or chairs. But imagine how radical it would be if people started selecting shepherds by considering, does that shepherd really hear God? Not is he a gifted or does he hear God? Does that shepherd walk with God? Imagine if the central consideration was not just whether or not your kids are comfortable in the nursery, but whether or not God is in that church. Imagine what would happen if God became a major part of our consideration. And here's the problem. I don't look like a lot of people's last pastor. I may not sound like your last pastor. I may not walk like your last pastor, but I do know I walk with God. And if you are interested in hearing from the Almighty and learning about him, you are in the right place, and you are going to learn today, become more like him. But you got to come here for the right reasons. I wanted to look different. It just didn't work out for me. I'm about to say things I shouldn't say. No, I'm going to say it. Okay. I don't know if this, okay, we're a lot, and I'm just getting late. Okay. But this is the only job that I know of. Not looking half dead 
is a detriment and a problem. Somehow, if I was another 100 pounds overweight, I'm telling you the truth. If, okay. Why would you pick me for this? Because God takes the foolish things of the world. The impossible, the improbable. One of my biggest problems, you don't look like a pastor. You don't talk. What's a pastor supposed to look at, by, by the way? Just, you don't talk like a pastor. But you know what? That's the reason he called me. Every now and then he wants to do something different. I try to talk like everybody else. I can't. It's uncomfortable. I, and I, I try to give y'all, Lord, just give me 10 cliches and two amens, and I'll call it a day. And, and, and I can't do it. I, I got to talk about him. I got to explain him. I got to dig into him, and, and I got to show him. I got to show him to you and, and, and unveil the mysteries, and I, I can't help it. Then he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. See, God wants to make us a part of his own family, dwell in his house under his cover. How long? Forever. For length of days. God wants to give us longevity, sanctuary, and safety. Let me go on the floor so I can be quiet. My wife, she grew up on a farm. Actually, they had uh, acres and acres, and then the government took their property, and they moved into the city. And they still had about 17 cows and, I don't know, 15, 20 chickens and the rest, but it's still a smaller farm. But on her farm, she had a little sheep, and the mama died. So they took the sheep into the house. So they would feed the sheep with milk. And before long, that little sheep became part of the household. And when they ate dinner, it would lay under the table. And uh, actually, the sheep would, sheep would sleep in the house and all the rest. He said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God wants to bring you into his own house. Have you sit at his table. He wants to nurse you with his milk. He wants to separate you from the flock on the outside and bring you to the inside. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. We're out of time. Amen. But with everyone in here, before you bow your head and close your eyes, I want you to say, I want you to think about, do you, are, are you willing to be that one sheep? out of all the sheep in the flock that God can pull away to himself. Everybody else can live on the outside. That might be their choice. But you today say, I, I want to be that sheep that dwells in the house of the Lord. God, I want to become your pet person. I, I, I want to become that, that, that person you're comfortable around and that becomes part of the family. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.